Welcome to the Countdown Podcast and our review of A Knock at the Cabin. My name is Wayne. And my name is Paul. And then Wayne is also going to cover Magic Mike colon Last uh, Dance. Magic Mike's Last Dance. Right, there we we'll go. We'll get that in a second. No colon. All right. What a disappointment. There you go, bitch. <laughs> Knock at the Cabin <laughs> is M. Night Shyamalan's latest horror thriller, psychological thriller. I'm going to call it a thriller. It's horror-ish. Yeah, yeah, horror thriller. I don't think it was very horrific. Everything, really? You know, let's just get this straight, right? Mm-hmm. I don't believe horror needs to be gore. Horror can be that dank, that fucking horror dread. Needs, horror needs to be scary. Horror needs to be unsettling and disturbing. Unsettling for sure. So I think it is a horror thriller. Do you? Mm, okay, we'll, mm, get well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a moment. This one with the screenplay by M. Night Shyamalan with first-time writers Steve Desmond and Michael Sherman. It's based off a novel by Paul Tremblay called The Cabin at the End of the World. I read Paul Tremblay's earlier book, A Head Full of Ghosts, which was an exorcism book. Not bad. Not really? bad. This one stars Dave Bautista, Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge, Nikki Amuka Bird, Kristen Cooey, Abby Quinn, and Rupert Grint of Harry Potter fame. The budget, Wayne, what do you reckon? Mm, how about 80? 20 what? million dollars. Yeah. Oh, that's right. No one's, Shyamalan no one's, no one's giving Shia Laman any money. Normally raises his own money. It was distributed by Universal Pictures Host. So thank you to Beck for the, Beck did a great job. the invitation to the premiere or advanced screening. And so far, it's taken $26.3 million around the world after being out for what, a week and a half. So it probably will end up making a tidy profit for all concerned. That's not bad for 20 mil. Hmm. Well, bad. yeah, it's got to get to like, you know, 40 to be sure. But uh, we're still working on that. Wayne, what is Knock at the Cabin about? Okay. So while vacationing at a remote cabin in the woods, a young girl and her parents are taken hostage by four armed strangers who demand they make an unthinkable choice in order to avert the apocalypse. So this movie is about these confused, scared people with limited access to the outside world. They're all remote. And the family basically must decide what they believe before all is lost or not. So it's that kind of a film. Yeah. All right then, Wayne. So the critical reviews thus far, Rotten Tomatoes has this as approval rating of 68% based on 273 reviews with an average score of 6.3 out of 10. Metacritic has it as a weighted average of 63 out of 100 based on 58 critics. And on the, this is interesting, on the cinema score scale where they interview or assess people as they walk out of the cinema, regular cinema goers, this one on the A plus to F scale has only a grade of C according to the average audience member. Hmm. Mm. All right, then, really? Wayne. What did you think of Knock at the Cabin? Okay, so the thing is, I don't really know what to expect from the M. Night Shyamalan band himself because he did great stuff like The Sixth Sense, then he did fucking After Earth, but then he did Old, which wasn't terrible. Um, old was shit. Old was shit, okay. Um, however, I, so as it's well known, I hate horror films. I'd call this more of a thriller than a horror. I agree. Yeah. But actually, Paul, I think it was quite good. Okay. I thought it was kind of good. Like, um, it's the kind of show that keeps you guessing throughout. And because this film is literally about nothing more than the plot, it's hard to get to not get spoilery in this. Yeah, we'll be very, very general stuff. Yeah. But you're not quite sure who's telling the truth in in the cast, and you're not sure if you throw in with this side or that side. You don't know if everyone's nuts. You don't know what the movie is asking you to believe. So in being that way, the movie does actually succeed in keeping you invested. And <sighs> Really? Well, for me, as a guy who wants to check out of this shit, I'm sitting there going, oh, okay, no, I'll keep listening. I'll keep listening. And so even though it's not my fare, I think, I felt that it was objectively, it's definitely not the best thing ever, right? No. But it's not like, I mean, I was expecting... I don't know what I was expecting. I hate these fucking films where people are like like threatened and kids are threatened. I hate that fucking shit, right? <laughs> so 
for me, it's like for for the, to get through that what? and me just stay because no. I could easily just check out and fall asleep if I wanted to, but I didn't do that. No, and because we're professional podcasters who review shit for people. Yeah, I mean uh, films. For people. Have you? When's the last time you fell asleep in a movie? <laughs> well, do we count on a plane? No, because if so, it doesn't, Amsterdam. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no. If you're in the cinema, you know, look, I I um as a guy, I I brought along a friend of mine who is very much a horror enthusiast, not Paul. It was a girl, and she said that. Yeah, this actually was kind of good. Like it wasn't. It, again, if you keep me interested, yeah, the whole time that I'll agree with, then that's got to be a win of sorts. I right? agree. This film did remain intriguing most of the way through its runtime. I think this is mid tier Shyamalan. It's nowhere near as good as his original output of films. We don't know if he's ever going to go Sixth Sense good again. But it's nowhere near as bad as the After Earths and the Lady in the Waters and the Last Airbenders of the world. I never saw that. Was oh, it shit? God, it's terrible. Really? Having now seen a proportion of the of the, the cartoon it was based on. Yeah. That's Is the cartoon all. better? Oh, so much better. So much better. Shit. Okay. So, yeah, this film is somewhere comfortably in the middle tier. I think it's better than old. I liked it more than The Visit. It's way better than Ass, aka Glass as well. Oh, Glass was shit. But it was not as good as Split. Actually, it, that's what I forgot. Split is the shit. Split is very good. Split yeah. was his one film in this sort of more recent times where I think it went above and beyond. The Split and the comic book one before that. The fucking, the whatever, what was the se- Split, the sequel Unbreakable. To? Unbreakable. That, that was, was his sick. second film from 2001 or whatever. Yeah. But that trilogy, the last one sucked, but the first two were good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, I didn't mind this film. However, my big quibble is this. Mm-hmm. To me, the film took a lot of jumps in logic which couldn't have happened if you were to continue to believe this is uncertain which way it's going or another. Okay, I can't wait to get into that yeah, once we go spoilers. That'll be on spoilers. All right. The second part is stop spoiling the entire fucking film in trailers. Now, fortunately, I have oh. a short... <laughs> because of my short attention span, I saw the trailer, but I checked out because it's like well, not my thing, so I couldn't really remember anything. We know, we've acknowledged, it's not Shyamalan's fault, it's not Universal's fault, they hire, they hire a separate uh, company to but, cut the trailer. But they have to approve it. And when in the trailer they have a key scene from the last 15 minutes of the movie, the whole time I'm waiting for that scene. So I know it hasn't happened yet, so I know it means X. Good, so tell me that in the trailer because I can't remember what it oh, was. I won't tell it now. <laughs> yeah, tell it, me in the spoilers. Because so hopefully people who aren't as dumb as me and didn't watch the second trailer will not be spoiled. Do not watch any trailer if you're planning to see this film. Just go in cold. You've heard the premise. If the premise is intriguing to you, watch the film. I would say that. Yes. The, 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 basically, the show is about how reasonable and well-intentioned people can and should respond to being held hostage when you're not quite sure what the fuck is going on or why. And there's, I think, an intriguing and interesting second layer social commentary in the film because the parents are... Same sex. Yeah, gay fathers. And it's really well handled in this film. Given that Shyamalan is a straight director and presumably... I don't know about the other two guys. That's a good point. It's actually pretty I don't know if Paul Tremblay is a a gay man or not, but it becomes a part of the film whilst... And then calls out some of the hate speak and hate towards. Yeah. That all gets all comes into it. But it never comes across as being anything other than this is just it's just normal. What's the problem? Yeah, that, that's that's a good sort of second layer to the film mm. where you, you you're having people who are persecuted, but because they happen to be a gay couple, it's like, well, hang on, is this a well? A, it informs, an act of it informs one character in particular's perspective of yes, and that's good because it's character related yep. and it's history related, and they do flash back and forth to show you that, which I don't know how I feel. I think that's better than just. 
because the film really starts and gets going fast. Basically, Dave Bautista Leonard walks out of the forest and starts talking to the kid. Right. Bam, we're started. Whereas had we spent all this time building up the characters, Good point. it would have been, been really boring. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? Having Dave Bautista come out and just talk to the girl in the forest, he's such a freaky looking dude, you can't take your eyes off him, right? Mm. So, What did you think of the performances, including Bautista? Really good. Really good because I, again, because they were ambiguous. That's the thing about Dave Bautista. Even though he's trying to sort of gentle giant it a bit, yeah, right? which is an interesting juxtaposition. It is. Yeah. And... Of, and I felt so much for the girl. I was so scared for the girl. Like, just, just talking to this bitch. Like, don't talk to men. All right? Don't, if you're a little girl, don't talk to strange men. Well, don't talk to strangers. If you're a little person, and I mean, kid, don't talk to strangers. But you're not listening to this if you are a kid because we're not safe for young ears. No, we're not. But that's the thing, though. Particularly I'm, Wayne. Oh, his God, language no. is awful. Exactly. I don't talk to kids anyone. <laughs> um, so <laughs> because of his language, he was barred from having children. Literally. <laughs> So um, we, yeah. So th- for that reason, because you as the audience are sort of off, like you're, you're oh, what's this motherfucker doing, and you don't know what his intentions are, it becomes that you're. Well, very I concerned. did because I've seen the trailer. Yeah, you're gonna have to tell me about that because I was like, no, no, just, just believe. Because that's my thing when I, I, I suspend disbelief in life, really, but also in movies. <laughs> so um, just so that I can be more entertained. I'm like, no, 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 forget that part. No. Forget that part. Let me just see that. You know. So I do that a lot. Paul, on the other hand, thinks a lot. So. <laughs> You know. Maybe too much. But anyway, all right. So I thought performances were good across the board. Agreed. I thought Jonathan Groff's Eric was a little weak in a couple of places. Which one is he? He was the... Of the two of the two fathers. He was the gentler of the The fathers. gentler of the two, got yeah. it. Whereas Ben Aldridge, I thought he was really good. Like he really conveyed the desperation and anger Absolutely. of he his was, position. He was the guy who was action man, yes. who was yes. the guy who was like, I don't get this and I'll fight. You yep. know? I, I thought his performance was arguably the best in the movie. I have heard others say differently, but... He's one struck a chord for me. True, true. The kid was good. Kid was really good, I yeah, thought. No problem. First time actor in a film, so well, so well done to her. And then the Harry Potter alum, you know, I guess he's Ruben playing. Grint. Yeah, playing against type, so, and was effective in his role. And then we've said uh, Bautista was good as the juxtaposed gentle giant. He was. And the two women who make up the rest of the core cast were also good. Yeah, never so. seen them before, but I bought everything they said, mm-hmm. so I'm down with that. Yeah, so um, I, uh, that's where mostly this film works for me, is in the performances. I think Shyamalan's dialogue's a little eh. But it's more the script which loses it for me. So we'll get into that then. All right, let's talk about that. I think on the other side of spoilers, and that's where Jack comes in. You can't handle the truth. The truth is that Wayne, I think, like this more than me. Sounds like it. What's going on, mate? Another horror slash thriller where Wayne enjoyed it more. What the world is topsy turvy. Topsy turvy. It's it's the end of times. It is. is in this film. This trailer spoiled all the way through to planes falling out of the air. Did that? Oh, was that in the trailer? Yep. (laughs) <laughs> it spoiled the tsunami, which is a little How about this, the film. though, Paul? How about you see in the trailer the, the, the natural disaster, or the, the seemingly tsunami. natural disasters, yeah. right? But what if in the film it's, it's, a, it's a dream? You know? mm-hmm. what, if, what if they're just showing that because in the film it's like, or what if in the film itself, when it supposedly happens, it's some sort of illusion? I get Andrew being full of doubt, once, especially once he establishes that Rupert Grint's Character was the guy who assaulted him in the Absolutely. bar, and, and that's a really good component. That was a great way. moment in the film, in terms of oh, now because it gives you a reason to doubt. Yeah, absolutely, it does. And that these four come together. But what I don't like is some of the shortcuts this script takes. Like what? Number one, how is it that someone who's filming a tsunami coming towards them and then swallows them? The footage keeps beaming out from this camera, which goes straight into the water to the BBC. How did I get that footage? <laughs> how about this, Paul? <laughs> How Even about if it was live streaming, it doesn't keep live streaming once the water goes over you. Is that what happened? Yeah. Someone's waterproof, aren't they? <laughs> I don't. Dunk your phone in water and try and send a message. I wonder if that would work. It doesn't. 
Okay, fair enough. Um, so that was that was pretty dumb. Again, uh, that didn't bother me because in the end, it just gave me like a reason to watch something. And they're just recording it. It doesn't sort of show it's going uploading to Facebook or whatever it's doing. So that was a huge leap. They could have left But you. more importantly, mm-hmm. much more importantly, how daft was the most... I didn't buy the fact that they were still disbelieving after certain things. Like, oh, yeah, they knew this was going... Hang on. This fucking... You're saying that this, this virus which is going around was affecting people, but then it's killing everyone immediately, and, oh, they created that. That's part that. What the fuck reasoning is that? Well, wasn't the idea here that they were getting all the information through the TV? Yeah. Well, they were using the TV to reinforce what they were saying. Yeah, but, like, if you were... Let's say that you were... If you're up against, like, i got to kill someone in my family, which oh. is the thing, right? You would be looking for any reason why this might be you bullshit. Would. You would. So you watch the TV, and it's like, this is this could all be produced. They could all, They could have tapped into the system. They uh. could have... Given phones don't work here, but somehow satellite does, okay, sure. But, it, you know, I didn't see a video recorder. I didn't see, like, how are they doing this? That's some sophisticated shit. I reckon you could figure it out. Okay. I reckon you could. Right. You, I reckon you You're could, suspending disbelief. You could stream to the TV if you had to, Paul. And then, <laughs> and then at the very end, like, Andrew still says, I don't care. Let's just walk the world where everyone else is dead once they finally. Blow. I'm like, come on, fella. Now, now, here's where we're this different. This is ludicrous. Oh, okay. And at that point, Eric puts together these four, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. How? I that was the dumbest moment in this whoa, movie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought that was cool. It was terrible. Wait a minute, wait. <laughs> Do you know what the four horsemen of the apocalypse are? They're not fucking... Yeah, it's death, another cunt. Death, four war, other... famine, and pestilence. Yeah, and they're on horses, right? Hence the horsemen. This was the best thing. No. The fact that these oh. four dickheads oh. were the first... Really? I thought that was great because I didn't think of that. Because these are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. No, but, and but, they paid such that... a big price they have to kill themselves to actually get but the end of the... But had they been war, famine, pestilence and death, I'd have believed it. But they weren't. They were mercy and guidance and fucking caring. I'm like, what? That's not the fucking apocalypse? No, but that's, that, that is, is playing upon the trope. See, the idea here oh, is no. that if you're expecting the four horsemen, but it turns out to be big dude, two bitches and a fucking granger, that's a, that's no. like that's a, that's an aversion. That's no. it's, it's more interesting. But the thing that he said they were they're not the the horsemen. It's so daft. It but comes out of the left field. It's they just, don't have to be on it's horses. Just an exposition dump. It doesn't show you. This doesn't convince you. It's just oh, here's Eric buying into it because he saw I saw that light in the in the mirror in that scene he was talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what's that? Oh, okay, now it's moved away. And then he then he references it later on. Well, that's the idea. He's the believer, right? The other one is the skeptic, and, and that the makes the sense. He's the believer because he came up in a world where he was accepted, and he hasn't had to face what Andrew had to face. Even his parents can't accept that he's gay, mm. and he wasn't assaulted directly. Saw his his partner get get brained with a with a bottle, but yeah. That actually happened to Andrews, and then we see him fire, we see him take the gun, all that kind of stuff. That was all fine. Yeah. Bought all that. I just don't buy that the four things they named are the horsemen of the apocalypse. This is a very... That's your biggest problem? That's so stupid. I love that. I think that's one of the best things about the movie. (laughs) Well, is it because you don't like the idea that they're taking the four horsemen and jamming it into these four seemingly unseeming characters? They have nothing to do with the apocalypse other than the fact that they had visions of it. No, that's the thing. The idea here is that the four horsemen of the apocalypse are are summoned such in this psychological manner where they all have the dream and they meet up and stuff like that. That's more interesting than four cuts on a horse. how does Eric make those four things equal the apocalypse? It doesn't make any sense. Because there's four of them. He's like, there's four cars. Well, said, well, that dude's big, so he's the he's the apocalypse. No, 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 you don't have to say it. It's not like but a, he did. But they're not Spice Girls. You can't have like one but different. He did. He did this, and he, he said did it he? in a way which is like saying, "Here's why I believe because this person is a guidance, and this person was care, and this person was was nurturing with her food." I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Did he do that? That's why he believed because he thought, "Oh, this makes sense. They're the apocalyptic horsemen." No, they're not. 
You're just making shit up. You're but shoehorning anything in. You might as well say, she's got black hair, she's got black hair and black skin. He's got red hair and he's got no hair. But there was four of them. That's what if there was five four. or seven? <laughs> See? It's like, these are the four horsemen of the... I like that shit. <laughs> oh my God, I can't, damn, I can't damn. believe I'm defending a horror in front of you. This is weird. <laughs> okay, all right, cool. Why are you in here, people? That was dumb, right? Just let us know. What yeah, you let think. us know what you think. Okay, uh, so... And the very end, you know... <laughs> Well, now here's what I, 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 I do buy that Eric says you got to kill me to save the world because it just makes no sense to me. But well, they weren't going to kill the kid. No, no well, I will tell you about how the original story goes. Oh, the original really? novel in a moment. <laughs> yeah, but like Andrew's very cavalier about let's let the world burn. I don't buy that. At See, all. I do, Paul, okay. and I'll tell you why. When it comes up to scores here, yeah, this is what it is, right? So let's say someone, some four cunts walk in, right, and they're like, "Yeah, you have to kill." one of the two people who are the most important to you in the world. I get it. You're not going to believe that to start with. No way. You don't believe it, but once you do believe it, you're like, well, I can't kill you. But by the time the fourth person slits his throat in front of you and has quoted verbatim what the woman is going to say on the TV, I'll be like, oh, damn. Yeah, but then how do you make the decision? And then you can see the sky brawling over and fucking lightning strikes and... And like planes of glass or slivers of glass, the sky will fall. Well, I think at the end he does finally realize that he has to do it, and that's when he does it. Oh, but Eric it takes... convinces him to do it. He's saying, "Let's just let's just fucking walk the earth like Kang and Kung Fu." Because like, because he is. can't bring himself to shoot his partner. <sighs> that's what it is. Like he, that, he's being more human than actually logical. Whereas Paul is a robot. So you see, <laughs> Paul would go, well, "Fuck, you're done." Right? But yeah, like look, seriously, let's though, put it this way: you and I better not be in that situation. No shit, because you would kill me in like twelve <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Hey, look at this. There's a report of an earthquake. Poof. See, I would take out our child. I'd be, oh. like, I'd be like, yo, you know, she doesn't really know what life is anyways. <laughs> <laughs> that's because I'm childless, everyone, and that's why. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right, then. Um, the original book, The Kid, when is killed when Andrew and Leonard wrestle with the gun? She gets shot accidentally. Does that mean... And it- that makes much more sense then when Andrew and Eric decide that they're not going to kill one another because they fuck a world where God lets their daughter die. And they walk off into the apocalypse. Is that... Sorry. Is... Oh, that's how that ends. Mm. And, and if the kid dies in the book, does that no, satisfy the curse? No, because it wasn't... The point is made even... I haven't read the book. I just read the write-up. The point is made that they didn't... weren't sacrificed willingly. So there's, the world still ends. Yep, world ends and these two guys go off. If you think about it, that's a more gangster ending. Oh, it's a much harder core ending, much harder core. And the author, Paul Trimble, came out and said, my ending's way fucking better. So <laughs> he did not like what Well, this is did. the thing though, right? Had it been that, that would have been like the, what I call the Cabin in the Woods ending. Yeah. Um, you know, where just like, yeah, everything just fucking dies. <laughs> and it's like, whoa. And I would have walked out of there going, huh. But the fact that what was good about the ending in this, right? So yes, okay, one of them literally says, I'll be the sacrifice because it makes sense to me. The other guy has to be brave enough to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. Then he gets to actually have the kid and, you know, grow up with her and have a proper life without this guy who essentially saved the world. So that note where at the end they finally walk around, they go into the diner and people are saying, oh, things are clearing up and this and that. And they know they're the ones who did it. And then they go in the car, and Can't then the fucking the sunshine, yeah, the fucking radio comes on. Then he turns it off. Then she turns it back. Oh, so she turns it off. Then he turns it back on again, right? Well, no, yeah, he turns it on. She she goes, and then she turns, turns it off. off. She turns it on. Then she turns it off. Then he turns it back. on. Turns it back on. So the thing with that is like, no, I no, like that scene because that scene was the best because what they're saying there is like, look, we just went through hell, but we saved the world. We have a reason to be happy. Well, I while think what we're they're saying there is, he realizes he's got to live for her because she's still like, okay, we got to move on. Oh. He, he doesn't. I don't think he can, he can't. He's not coming to terms with it. But then he turns it back on because he agrees. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's actually that's pretty good. Yeah. I was going at it from the whole 
let's choose to be happy. And maybe I read somewhere that someone was suggesting that was sort of Eric. Eric's influence, like to make it was their song play on the video. I like that. I like the idea of that. So you see, that's why I say it wasn't a bad film. No, no, I'm not saying it's a bad film. I say it has some really poorly written moments. The dialogue's not great, and the trailer spoiled too much of it. So take away the trailer, it would be a better score from me. But all right, let's do this way because we still need to get to Magic Mike. Okay, what are you scoring? Knock at the cabin. (laughs) Sixty. What? All arguing. What are you getting? I'll back and forth. I'm getting 58. <laughs> what to me? A low three star for me. 60 for a horror. The way you just went to Baffer, I thought you could give it four stars. No, no, no. It was good. Six, six out of ten. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I'm not sure. Shyamalan's at home going. Vindication. <laughs> the fact that, that, that M Night is still making movies should be vindication for him. <laughs> okay. All right, then let's move on off on that note to a film which I didn't get to see because I was overseas. So, Wayne, you saw this one on your own. Magic Mike's last crack? Yeah, dance. dance. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a bit of crack. I'm sure there is. Yeah, go ahead. Give me the... Yeah. Well, this one is directed, of course, by Stephen, Stephen Soderbergh. It's written by Reed, Carolyn, and stars Channing Tatum and Salma Hayek, apparently Pinault. Now she's added to her official what? name. Is she married now? I guess so. Okay. It's 112 minutes long. The budget was 45 to $49 million. No word yet on whether or not it's making the money because it just came out, if I'm not mistaken. Wayne, Very what's it about? Okay, everyone. Magic Mike's Last Dance. Mike takes to the stage once again when a business deal that went bust leaves him broke and bartending in Florida. Now, I don't know if you've seen all the other Magic Mike's poems. I have not. Okay, the first one was great. The second one I only sort of saw a bit of, but basically it was seems pretty good. And what happened at the end of that is that Mike's whole thing was this, I'm a stripper now, but I really want a furniture building business. And at the end of Magic Mike 2, all of his stripper friends help him make that a reality. Okay. But unfortunately, Paul, the pandemic happened and it fucked him in the ass. <laughs> yes. So he's broke. Okay. So he's like, okay, well, I'm bartending in Florida and he's just there sort of you know, catering and stuff. And, and, and he's there like pouring drinks and this girl comes up to him because it's some affair for lawyers or something. And she's like, hmm, I think I know you. Aren't you? Are you a policeman? And then obviously he stripped as a cop for her. And right. then she tells her boss, who is Salma Hayek, who is a rich widow, not widow, divorcee, mm-hmm. who's currently sort of, you know, like getting in the, in the throes of the divorce, who gets what and that kind of thing. And she does these huge soirees. She calls Mike in the, into the room uh, into like after the, after the party and says, hey, listen, I'm really stressed and stuff. This employee of mine told me you're a stripper. Can you do a dance for me? How much would it be? And he goes, 60 grand. What? Yeah, because <laughs> he doesn't do it anymore, Paul. He's, trying to, he's, trying to walk, he's actually trying to walk off. And she's like, 60 grand for a dance? She goes, yeah, that's what I charge, because I don't do that anymore. And she's like, well, you know, how about six grand? And he's like, all right. No, he goes, all right. Okay. right? He then goes on to do a dance for her, which, frankly, Paul, was really hot. Okay. I got to say. And by the way, Salma Hayek looks fucking 40 if she looks a day. She She, is amazing. She is age-defying. I saw her in a a movie a little not long ago where she had gray hair and stuff. She actually kind of looked her age there, but here... She looks not far off Desperado hotness. I'm not telling. I'm, I'm telling you, man. You got to see that at least, right? Anyway, he does this really vigorous dance with her, where he kind of lifts her up, and he's got his big. His dick isn't out, but like you know, it's like it's. <laughs> well, it may as well be. There's a lot of fucking like here riding him, and she's putting it. He's eating burger, not really, but quite. Anyway, it's very very cool, and it's shot really well by Steven Soderbergh. Like he puts the camera on the side to make you not uncomfortable. I saw it with another female friend of mine, and by the way, uh, heads up to Beck. Who, um, yeah, thank you, Beck, for the invite to this one too. Yes, she actually set up the cinema with like a DJ playing Pony, which is his song, um, right. and four actual strippers 
flashing their meat around, right? Did, what real stripping? Real stripping. You didn't see my post? I Check did, out. but I didn't. Like, they didn't get naked, did they? They got tops off, but yeah. not not cock out. You can't have cock out at at six thirty at night on a, in a movie screening. Yeah, possibly. Um, I mean, you might want it to be that way. I, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'm always up for. Co- no. It's not. It's not. <laughs> you going to the cinemas by yourself? <laughs> exactly. But it was very nice for her. Like, and I was like, oh, look at this. So that was a really cool thing. But having said that, sorry. Um, back to the film. She then goes, okay, well, I really like this guy because they end up fucking, Paul. They end up fucking. Right? That night? That night. And so now she's a stripper, he's a hoe? Well, she said, he goes, I'm not even going to take the 6K. It's called cool. It's all whatever. You know, he's like, he's Magic Mike. The whole point of Magic Mike is that Channing Tatum's character is actually very likable and he's actually a really funny guy. And that's why the first movie worked because you're okay. showing this, this ambitious young fellow who's actually pretty cool. Now, she takes him to London and says, this is the weird thing. This is what doesn't make sense, Paul. Okay. Right? She goes, there's a West End show. Are we into spoilers here? Not really, because okay. this is the story. And she and she says, okay, there's a really successful show that sold out every night. We're going to scrap that show. Magic Mike, I want you to make your vision on stage by making sort of a strip version of this very popular show. <laughs> okay. Which he does. And that's where the movie goes on from. So what I'm saying to you here is that I, I liked it generally, though I will tell you that in the middle of the film, it got a little dramatic and a touch boring. She, okay. The show itself, as a third installment of this series... I would say the one thing that it probably hasn't got going for it is that the first two sh- shows were about the interplay between the strippers. The second one was particularly about camaraderie, and that was a really cool aspect of the thing because these guys are friends. You know, even the DJ, who's Gabriel Iglesias, this little fat dude, he's like one of the friends of the strippers and stuff like that. This is him going to London, and there's all new strippers. He leaves his stripper mates behind. Yes, there is one Zoom scene where they all turn up and they talk for a bit, but that's it, right? Mm-hmm. And because of that, you don't have the same friendship thing going on. It's all about the relationship between Salma Hayek and Magic Mike, which is romantic and nice. I will tell you that. But at the end of the film, there's this sort of 15-minute dance sequence where oh, they God. where they show the show. <laughs> that's why I say this is not for Paul. Okay. Nope. It's, you lost me. Yeah, because it was about 15 minutes of showing that's what... Well, that's the title of the film, right? That's well, that's what I'm saying. Dance. See, like, if you're, if you're a female watching this, or, or, or a man, or a man who digs dicks, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, then that's what you came for, and that had to be in there. Because what it's doing is it's showing you the production he actually put on. And it's very well filmed and very well choreographed. It feels to me like this is Steven Soderbergh's, like, you know, I always wanted to do Broadway. <laughs> Let's just do that. I, th- I think that's what it feels like to me. So there is some outstanding looking shit in there. It is very good. It dragged on a little bit. I'll say it's a little long for what it is. I know I always say that, but really it was. Not bad by any means, just not as good as the original. And I think the theme of the movie is it's about realizing a bigger dream than you ever dare to imagine. And I guess on that, on that front, it's a fairly magical moment to enjoy. And I think it also doesn't end quite in the way you might think, which is also good. The very last note is like, oh, and then it's like that. So it is better for a, what? look, the fact that a stripper movie made it three movies is already weird. Pretty amazing. So it's because of Steven Soderbergh, right? And Channing Tatum. And Chante, right? So, um, yeah. (laughs) Never do that again. (laughs) Chante. I think it's Channing Scrotum, everyone calls him. Anyway. Yes. So uh, I think that I still pass it. I'm giving it a 6 out of 10 again. Again, 60 again. 60 again. Because, and look, I'll be honest with you, having my friend next to me being very excited at the show <laughs> really helps me enjoy it. Because I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. You know what I mean? Because like, like, it's... Yeah, it's it's infectious. Well, someone likes something next yeah, to you, yeah. you like the show better because you, you get... Unless to, it's a horror film and you're hating it, in which case I love it more. 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Paul's got that weird thing going on with that. But then that's no, just, I don't know. I really, I really dig it when yeah, you it's occasional challenge. Yeah, I yeah. know. But it's like, uh, yeah. So no, um, I really dig it when you actually like it. Like when you liked Hereditary and when you liked It Part One, and I was like, damn. This no, is totally, awesome. totally. And I, I get that. So yes, I think uh, if you're going to see it, men or straight men who don't necessarily dig this stuff or wouldn't go on, bring your lady, a lady. All right, or someone else who will enjoy the dick, and you will like it better. Okay. So, there you go. All right, uh, your rating higher than the average, by the way. 46% were positive on Rotten Tomatoes, with yes. an average score of 5.4 out of 10. And on Metacritic, an average score of 51 out of 100 thus far. It's projected to gross 8 to 10 million this week, and on the budget, as I mentioned, between 45 and 49. So, this film had a budget that was around about two and a half times bigger than Knock at the Cabin. Wow. See, so these folks here reading it like that didn't have any meat flute in their screening. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right. So that's our review of two films today for you, Wayne. Got along to both. I saw the one we hope built. At least one of those films sort of sounds like it might tickle your fancy. And if it does, let us know what you thought via email at the countdown podcast at gmail.com on Twitter at the countdown PC. Like and follow the show on Podbean, where we host, and check out the Facebook list community. Links in the show notes and our website, thecountdownpodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Paul. My name is Wayne. And he was doing all the heavy lifting this week. And this has been the soundboard. Ballsy. Stupid, but ballsy. Self-explanatory, that one. We'll catch you next time. See ya. See ya.